Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I am Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Decker. Dave, how are you feeling? A three-game winning streak. I mean, this is yeah. a lot happier than last we talked when the Blazers had just lost to the Brooklyn Nets and shouldn't have, and now they won three times and maybe sometimes shouldn't have. But winning is much better than losing. We should always win. I mean, let's We've be honest. That. Yep. We should always win. <laughs> One half game behind the Denver Nuggets basically almost tied for fifth place in the West, in sixth place, still solidly above that terrible, terrible play-in seventh and eighth spot. We don't want that, but the Dallas Mavericks are 3.5 games behind as we record. That will shift a little by the time you hear this, but that's what we want. We want a few games separation between the Blazers and number seven, and anything north of that is good. And we're only one game behind the Lakers. Which is, I mean, that feels good. Actually, I think it's 1.5 here. But yes, in essence, yeah, I mean, one loss behind the Lakers. The Blazers have 18 at this point. Again, this will change because there's a game tomorrow night. Lakers have 17 losses, but the Lakers are not going up here. They're not likely to keep winning out. So, hey, the Blazers have a chance of passing the Lakers. And again, the more teams, the Blazers get below them. It's literally, it's not a race to the top anymore. It's the don't let the devil with the pitchfork catch you uh, at number seven and he's just going to take out the seventh and eighth team and you stay ahead of that pitchfork and you're great the more people you can put behind you you do not have to outrun the bear you just outrun one other team and you're good to go if that's the lakers even better the feeling of being ahead of the lakers it's a good one it's a good feel i i am just living for that i am living for the day that we pass them because that is going to feel good It is time to make some phone calls when that happens. Some texts. Hey, oh, I was just checking the standings and oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, injuries? Oh, boo-hoo. I'm so sorry. You had major players injured. We don't know what that's like in Portland. Anyway, hope you get better soon. I don't make those calls because they always come back to bite me, but I'm thinking about it in my mind. Laker fans, if they don't win the championship, they aren't satisfied. And if they they don't win the championship, I don't give the Lakers any credit. That's it. I mean, with all the advantages that they have, drawing people off the buyout market, drawing free agents, LeBron's recruiting everybody and their uncle to come, which should be illegal, but it's LeBron, so okay. Look, they better win it all. Otherwise, ha ha. Yeah, and we'll get to that. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to who went where in all of this madness. But first of all, we had three good wins. We won against the Miami Heat. We won against the Orlando Magic. And we won against the Toronto Raptors. First, I want to start by asking this. Did you like school lunches when you were in school? Like, you know, cafeteria, (laughs) school lunch. I always brought my lunch. We did not 
really i mean we didn't have a lot of money as a kid and so i just always we didn't pay for hot lunches i brought my lunch so well, i don't kind of because this is what i was wondering like would you define those as good as well because you know in a certain oh. vein they kind of were you know i'm really thing. hungry and i'm a teenager way but look these these wins they were good in the same way maybe a school lunch hamburger is good they were kind of plain barely make it but you at least got something. I agree with you there. If you're talking about like five star dining or three Michelin stars, these wins were not that. No, let me rephrase, Dave. <laughs> a win is a win and we won. So it's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. When you come to Portland, I'll find a way to get there. And I'm taking you out to lunch at like a super crappy a, pizza place, Domino's. A school cafeteria. Yeah, I'm literally going to say, Dia, a pizza is a pizza. I mean, come on. There's no but you difference. Can't, that, that's not true of food. It's not true of food. A pizza isn't a pizza. A win is a win. It's In this no case, calories. You lived another day. I mean, come on. I don't like this analogy, Dave. I want our wins to be happy. Well, you're only <laughs> eating pepperoni anyway, if I recall your eating habits, right? So it hardly matters. <laughs> that said, uh, okay, so they beat the Heat. The Heat did not have Jimmy Butler, and they were cobbling together a, a lineup which will be a common theme throughout the week. Bam Adebayo absolutely went crazy in that game. It was, that was impressive watching him work. And the Blazers couldn't stop anybody, but they ended up with Damian Lillard, you know, carrying it through in the end. Good enough. Same story against the Magic turned up to yeah. 11, right? The Magic had just traded away everybody. All-Star center, gone. Aaron Gordon, gone. Heaven Fournier, gone. I mean, they were yeah. like, hey, who wants to? They were like picking people off the sideline at that point. Blazers still barely beat them. Nurkic yeah, no. returned in that game. And then you have Toronto, which to me was the most frustrating of all because the Blazers are supposed to be finally getting back in a groove. Toronto did not have Kyle Lowry. That should have been a totally easy win because by the way, Toronto's been putrid on offense for the last few weeks. What happens? They light up the scoreboard and light up the Blazers and Portland has to pull out a last second win. How many of these type of games do we have to see before we start scratching our heads? I mean, we're still winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying like, I, I yeah, it's this is currently what they do. And you know what? It's working. It may not be pretty. It may not be perfect. There are better options out there, but this is the option we've got. So I'm going to go ahead and take the win anyway. This team, for whatever reason, seems to play to the level of whatever team they're playing. There are times where you see these teams that are, you know, depleted of players and you look at the roster, you look at the game preview and you think, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. And then you're biting your fingernails the whole way through because it's so close and it's back and forth. And there's, you know, it's one point or two points difference the entire game until the end when the other team inevitably gets 10 points on us. But in the last five seconds, we score 500 and we win. How long? Oh, Lord, how long? It's just... It's an inability to defend. Let's name it what it is, that every team looks good against the Blazers. Every team looks like they have a chance against the Blazers. The Blazers are giving up 115 
12.5 points per game at this point. Now, even in the inflated NBA scoring, and it is, there's only a couple teams in the West that give up that many. The Kings give up 118.5. They're terrible. The Timberwolves give up 117.1. They're terrible. I thought there was one other team in the West that does. But no, that's about it, it looks like. I mean, the Blazers are really setting the standard for bad defense, good team, because they, they're they yeah. both, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so so let's talk about that for a minute, because we've got, you know, that's something that has been a, a regular theme on this podcast, as with the Blazers and everyone who has anything to say about them. It's not a secret that the defense has been a pretty consistent struggle. That is very true. There are some things that we talked about at the beginning that I think are worth revisiting because for one, Nurkic returned. He came back during the the Magic Orlando Magic game and not just any old Nurkic returned, but the Nurkic we were hoping would return returned, I think. He's not 100%, but if you compare this and how he's been playing to how he started playing at the beginning of the season, it's night and day. You know, that's one of the things that you and I have talked about over and over and over is for this to be a real possibility. We need Nurkic playing healthy, playing himself. I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing right now. I'm encouraged by the fact that I think he seems much more himself than he did initially. And and we need that. We need him. Well, he's better than he was at the first part of the season, but I don't think he's anywhere near, nor nor can he be expected to be. He's coming off an injury, but he's moving slow. He looks a little plodding still, but even a plodding Nurkic has more of an effect, I think, than Ennis Cantor, bless his heart. So I think you're right in that there's some upgrade possible there. He's playing less than 20 minutes a night right now and doesn't look like he should or can be playing much more yet. I mean, I expect that to go to 25 soon, 28. I'm not saying that he can't play a few more minutes, but he doesn't look like he's ready to step into real starters minutes and make a huge impact right now. So I think we're going to have to wait a week or two on that designation of he's truly back, but it is certainly good to see him back. He does make more of a difference than his particular play on a given night would indicate. They're just a a better, deeper team when he suits up, and there's no two ways about it, and there's more agility in the lane when he suits up, and that is something they badly need, because without him, they cannot get out and cover and then get back, and it's just a nightmare every night in the lane, because they go out and they cover the three-point arc, which they should do, but they leave the paint just terribly exposed and it's getting to be repetitive and frustrating and hopefully Nurkic will be able to allow them to go outside but also watch the rim I agree like I said it's not a hundred percent what we're used to seeing but even if he's restricted minutes wise for the next week we're going to be okay. And, and he's going to come, you know, he, he's looking more like himself and I think he's going to get back into the groove. I didn't know if he would at the beginning of the season, you know, you're watching that in our kitchen, you're wondering like, can he pull this together and get back to him nor- his normal self? Watching this Nurkic, I feel like I'm pretty confident that he will. And I think that that's going to be a, a solid help for us. CJ is back as well. We talked about this 
briefly last week. He did not come back in the last week. He was back before that. But he's settling right in. One of the things I worried about when CJ got hurt was the fact that he started out with such a stellar season. I mean, he just came, he came out of that gate and he was fire. He was just, he was killing it. And when he got hurt, there was a part of me that thought, oh man, I hope he doesn't lose that when he comes back. You know, it was because he was really playing better than we had really seen him play before. And I was afraid that being injured and having to take that time away, he would lose that streak. But he seems to be coming right back in and picking up where he left off. Yes, kind of. There are a couple of asterisks. First of all, his three-point shot isn't there. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's either blazing hot or frigid cold. I mean, you've got uh, 7 for 13 versus Dallas, which is 54%. I mean, just awesome. Uh, You've got uh, 6 for 14 against uh, the Heat, which is 43%. Again, awesome. But you also have 0 for 5, 2 for 11, 1 for 7. It's a little sketchy out there for him yet. Uh, And the Blazers definitely need that back because obviously they depend on him to stretch the floor and also that's where a lot of his mid-range shots come because opponents have to respect his ability to shoot out there so the defender gets out on him and then he just goes past him okie dokes him and scores without that three-point shot he's not the same threat but I believe that'll come back I, I believe that's rust but it hasn't quite been there and I think the Blazers haven't quite clicked all the way But the other thing, though, that's been pretty good the last few games, he's gotten quite a few assists. He had eight against the Heat. He had seven against the Magic. That's not trivial because the Blazers are very low in assists. They're among the lowest in the league in in sharing the ball. And that's not as bad of a stat as it sounds because they have a lot of players who kind of create for themselves. Carmelo Anthony's not going to pass. Damian Lillard would pass for a while, but he's going to basically keep it during the important minutes. C.J. McCollum doesn't move the ball that much. He's a scorer. If he has that, if McCollum can make a few assists, first of all, everybody else is happier, especially those forwards who need to stay energized and Nurkic. But also, the opponent then has to worry about one more thing, not just his three-point shooting, not just his scoring, but also his passing. So I think that's a positive sign. It seems to me that might be something that he observed or concentrated on when he had that long break. And I, I like what I'm seeing from him right now in that vein. I think it's a good sign that even with Nurk and CJ not fully back, again, I think they're looking good and I think there's, I think we're going to get there, but even with them still maybe not being a hundred percent, we're still winning. And I know we can make the arguments about it's not great wins, whatever, but we're still winning. And I think that the fact that we've been able to maintain the record that we have with two of our key players having been out and then, you know, working their way back in is a really good thing. And I think that this is part of why I'm so optimistic because, you know, normally I'm obviously not optimistic at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think that this is, I think that this is part of why I, I feel so optimistic because it's like we've managed without them to maintain some momentum. So when we have them, then that has to go up, right? You're like my mom who used to cook and then you say, no, it's not that good. But she really thought it was good. That's what your faux pessimism comes across as. Uh, Well, and yes, I mean, granted, and we're still a little bit hanging on to that injured players meme because, again, they're not fully back, as you say. That's going to cease to become true 
soon. They're already back. I mean, we can't say they're not back, and the Blazers are not winning demonstrably in any sense of the word. They have won, but none of those games were repeatable. I mean, if you played them again, it could have gone the other way. Again, that's because of the defense. That's got to get better. But the other thing is injuries. We get it. But the Blazers are one of two teams in the top eight in the West with a negative point differential or margin of victory. And what that means is you total up all the points they've won by and lost by and all that and divide it by the number of games and how many did you win each game by on average and this is a terrible indicator up to about the halfway point of the season between the halfway and three quarters point of the season it starts to become really indicative and it is a strong indicator of which teams are so to speak, for real, and which teams have higher records than they maybe should or are going to in the playoffs. The Jazz, for instance, are plus 9.5 average margin of victory in all their wins and losses. So they've beaten opponents on average by 9.5 points per game. The Suns and Clippers are in the sixes. The Denver Nuggets and the Lakers are right around five. But then there's a huge drop off. Portland is next in the standings and Portland's is actually negative, negative 0.7. So even though they have a winning record, if you total up on the point, all the points on average, they've lost each game by 0.7 points. The Spurs are the other one with a negative. Dallas is plus one. Here's the deal. That's got to get better and they've got to be more convincing in their wins. Otherwise, you've got to suspect that when they face teams that are for real, they're going to have a real hard time. The Warriors are right around where the Blazers are. The Spurs also. Everybody else is pretty much lower, except the Pelicans, oddly enough. They they have a positive point six. So the Pelicans, who are in, what, uh, 12th place, have a better margin of victory than the Blazers, as do the Grizzlies that are in ninth. So... It's hard for me to say that they're really, really a good team right now. They do have a good record right now, and that's what they'll take. I don't know what to say to that because I get it. This is where it breaks down for me because I look at that and I think, yeah, you know, statistics are there for a reason. They tell a story. They explain where things are at. I I get that. I really do. But also we're winning. (laughs) So that has to count for something. And I'm just holding on to that. It's hard for me to listen to you talk about that because I just so desperately want to be positive about what's happening. Well, and you should be because the winning is much better than losing. And they've got a 28 and 18 record as we speak, which is phenomenal. 61% winning percentage. Congratulations. It's really, really good. And for where they've been and where they are, they are doing excellent. I won't even say good. They have played to an excellent level level compared to expectations with all those injuries okay that said the reality is every year there are teams that have decent records but bad margins of victory and those teams don't last so if we're trying to project then into the future we probably shouldn't do that at this point we should probably stop where you're stopping which is 28 and 18 that's really really good just don't look up just drive with the low beams right in front of us look at the next game uh and 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 call it good but if you're wondering, are the Blazers contenders now with Nurkic and McCollum back? They have to show that. It's definitely not instantly showing up in their style of play, but also we need to credit that they have a McCollum and Nurkic have a big difference to make if it's going to tell. And that's not to say they won't make it, but we need to be realistic about that. They had better play really, really well 
because if nothing really changes, this is not going to be a pretty ending to the season in the playoffs for the Blazers. I just am clinging desperately to the hope. Well, do that. <laughs> I think, do that. Just, I think I'll keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, just realize, though, there is a sense in which eh, school lunch wins. We need to see more than this. Right. Because, And it's not just to pad the stat. It's literally because teams that have school lunch wins get sent home in the playoffs. That's how it happens every year, basically. There are very few stats that are really consistently indicative. This is really, really one of them. It's not no right. stat is certainty, but this is important. So CJ is back. Nurkic is back. Norman Powell's on board. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, we need to see that make a difference. The Blazers need to start playing elite basketball, not just talking about a winning record. I mean, again, maybe this is just my my constant need to be positive, but I feel like it's coming. It just feels like we're right on the edge. It feels like we're right on the edge of something breaking through. I have zero to base that on other than the fact that I I just it just feels like it. I, I have no no basis for that. The trade deadline has come and gone. We talked about this before. We speculated. I don't think anyone saw Norman Powell coming. I've heard a lot of different, you know, media outlets talking before the trade deadline was here, talking about Norman Powell and how he would be such a great pickup for any team. And when we first made the move, I was like, okay, I like this. Partly because the people we had thought that we needed were no longer available. So it was kind of like, okay, well, we either do nothing and we sit as we are or we make an unexpected move. And that's what they did. And I think, you know, we've been begging for moves. We've been begging for management to make some moves that are going to give us a better shot. And they made a move and I was happy with it. You know, we've talked about how Gary Trent Jr.'s contract was going to expire and we were going to lose him most likely next year obviously that was not a guarantee but most likely he was not going to continue with the team and hood we talked about kind of needing to move him as well so what this move did if you're listening and you don't know we traded gary Trent jr and rodney hood to the raptors for norman powell norman powell is not necessarily what you would think that we needed to me he's essentially Gary Trent Jr. on steroids. Um, we should interrupt there. We don't mean that literally. We're in the media now, so we have to be careful what we say. Oh. Yeah, we, we mean oh. figuratively. Yeah, he's not we actually don't, We, we don't want to say any no, athletes on performing yeah. PEDs. Whoops. Uh, yeah. I didn't think so, that the analogy That's through. okay. Yeah, that's not a good analogy to use in sports. <laughs> we'll forgive you for that. <laughs> don't say he's on okay. human growth. He's, like, he's turned up he's, to 11. He's spinal tapped. There you that's go. A safe he's thing. like Gary Trent Jr. turned way up. <laughs> we'll, like, we'll compare him to a radio instead. Yeah, uh, to me, that's, that's what we're getting with Powell. I love Gary Trent Jr. I've been very open about that. I, you know, I, I literally have a Gary Trent Jr. jersey on its way to me. The person that I bought that I that I go through to get the jerseys messaged me that day and was like, "Do you want me to change your order?" And I'm like, "No." Like I ordered it knowing full well that he wasn't going to be with us, but he was a part of the team that I loved and that I, you know, will continue to happily wear his jersey because I really liked Gary Trent Jr. on the Blazers. I think he was entertaining. He was fun. 
What are you going to say, Dave? I was going to say, here's, you can, she can read me now. Here's, here's <laughs> the thing. I want you to uh, DM Tara Bowen Biggs, who was with us for a long time, does her own yeah. podcast now. She needs to get a Gary Trent senior jersey. And then we need to get a picture of you two together. <laughs> That would be amazing. Exactly. Be amazing. She'd do it too because yeah, I think she's a Gary Trent fan. Gary's the, yeah. <laughs> Shaq of the Mac is was her kind of guy, so her kind yeah. of player. So that would be yeah. that would be awesome. That would be great. We should yeah, we'll have to do that. So so Gary, you know, I, I love him and I think he was a lot of fun to watch. He was an entertaining player. You know, we got to see a lot of growth from the time that he was drafted, you know, these years in that he's been with us. And I feel like, Dave, I've made some big strides in my maturity as a basketball fan because a year ago I would have been kicking and screaming and crying about it. Maybe not literally, possibly literally. And I would not have been happy about this move because I love Gary Trent Jr. And on a personal level... I don't want him to be on another team, and it's painful to see him in another team's jersey. But I've made strides. I'm growing up. I'm I'm becoming mature in my basketball fandom. And now I am happy to see Gary on a team where he's getting to start, where he looks happy to be, where I can turn on the TV and watch a Raptors game and enjoy the beauty of Gary Trent Jr.'s game. I can still enjoy him as a player, even if he's not on the Trailblazers. And in turn, we get Norman Powell, who I think was a good move. I, it's been fun to watch that three-guard lineup with him and CJ and Dame. I think he's a solid player. He's got the, He's got experience behind him. I am really, really liking this move more than I thought that I would. Okay, seriously, first of all, don't you dare grow up too much because there is always kicking and screaming and crying around these things. We just don't admit it. You're the only one to admit it. I've been in Blazer's Edge staff dinners that have devolved into tears and screams and stuff. That So at least, yeah, I mean, you're honest about it. So very nice. You need to read up on Blazer's Edge. There's this wonderful couple of writers called Dave and Dia who do Wednesday afternoon things. At the end of one of those Wednesday afternoon things, one of them actually mentioned Norman Powell. Although, to be fair, we dismissed him a little bit because it seemed like a little bit of a lateral move in some ways. Now, I'll agree with you 100% that for right now, this actually answers a lot of questions for the Blazers. Uh, First of all, Powell shoots better than Trent from three-point land. Second of all, he's better at creating. Third of all, he's just as good at defense. So, I mean, there's some definite positives there. Uh, And the Blazers didn't lose anything. They gained, in fact. And most importantly of all, they didn't lose a draft pick, which was in a lot of these other trades. So all future assets are kept, right? Right. So that's really good. The hitch and the giddy-up is that they're left in the... Well, what? You've never heard this before? Oh, I am am full of delightful phrases like that. I come from Portland. I know about horses. I'm so sorry. That just caught me off guard. That's okay. As I was saying, the hitch in the giddy up is that they didn't solve anything as far as their personnel or contractual situation. Once again, they are going to be this summer looking at either letting Powell walk or trading CJ, just as they would have done with Trent. So in that sense, it's a little bit of a lateral move. They're going to be forced to either give up the ship here or trade CJ. Now, can they not 
sign Norman Powell to a contract? Okay. Yes, I guess technically they can do that. But here's the deal. Norman Powell is going to ask for and get more money than Trent Jr. was getting. I mean, he's speculated to be in the $20 million plus range. Technically, they have him. He has a contract for next year. He has a player option for $11 million. If he right. were to take that... Uh, you know, I, I don't know what he'd be thinking. It would be stupid. But maybe the Blazers, what they did with Rodney Hood, re-signing him even though they didn't have to and giving him his money, maybe cross fingers. There's a one in a billion chance that Powell would not opt out. And then the Blazers would get him for $11 million next year. All is well and good. But the only way I can imagine that happening is if... Powell falls in love with Portland. Powell falls which in love a, with Lillard. Which is a solid possibility. Let's okay, be honest. Okay, Dia, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's a solid possibility that happens here. Okay, yes, but no matter how much you love Portland, Dia, like if I say you love Portland, you can move to Portland and I will, you know, get you a job for 45000 a year. Or you can move to Los Angeles, and I will get you a job for $10,045,000 a year. No matter how much you love Portland, you're going to move to Los Angeles. Now, I get the scale isn't the same, but literally it's going to be a $10 million plus difference probably. And he's 27. He's The contracts are not, you know, God forbid he should get injured, but the contracts, he doesn't have seven contracts left. He's probably got two good ones, depending on the length he signs. So he needs to get his money. If he's smart, if he's normal, even, he's going to need to resign. Right, go ahead. Come back at that before I talk about the implications. What were you going to say? I just think it's possible. <laughs> I just think because because you're talking, I mean, I know I hear what you're saying and I understand what you're saying, but you're also talking about players that already are making millions. <laughs> I, look, Dave, don't take this from me. Yeah. My I, I am I am crossing my fingers and hoping with everything that I have that we get because he's so much fun. I really want to keep him. Just please let me keep him. Can oh, I keep you sure? <laughs> I mean, that that's fair. But I mean, this brings up a more serious issue for me. You can't be the kind of franchise that banks on players screwing themselves over in order for you to no, prosper. You're right. And that's that's, fair. that's actually kind of what's going I mean, and that's been a recurring theme with players other than Lillard and McCollum for the Blazers for a while now. And I yeah. get that you want to sign them at a, a discount and fair enough. And you know what? I will throw a party my own dang self if he stays in that contract. I think that would be clearly the best thing that could possibly happen for the Blazers. And you know what if they're really close to a championship run this year there i could see it because there's a tangible reason to do it but short of that i i itch asking a guy to wait on another year to make the money that he's already worked so hard to earn just so he can wear your uniform and again god forbid he should suffer a career altering injury in that year and never sign his 20 million dollar a year contract i can't i can't want that for me I get that. I get it. I, I understand. Yeah. It's selfish. I can admit that and own it. And, let's be, I, yeah. I, and, and I think also there's a part of me that has in my mind, like, maybe we're going to make a solid run at it. And so if we do, maybe that appeal is there to to continue on next year. I don't know. I mean, the, the contracts, admittedly, like, I, I have a solid understanding of it, but not 100%. So some of this stuff doesn't quite like I don't I don't fully understand 
the details of it always. And so sometimes I get lost in that. We can make this easy though. And and first of all, let's say, let's say your scenario comes true. I have an easier time with that. If the Blazers really make, if they get close to the NBA finals or heck get in the NBA finals, they've earned it. They've earned that. The, the team has actually tangibly done something amazing that a player could reasonably say, you know what, for one more year, I want to be a part of this and I don't want to yeah. mess up the boat or, or whatever. So you know what, I'm going to stay because I see that ring in front of me and I get something from this. That I can I can live with. I can celebrate it even as opposed to, yeah. well, you know what, we have no chance if you don't, if you don't take this, you know, pay cut basically and it's not really a pay cut but you know what i mean if you don't sacrifice your race yeah yeah. i I can't do that but here's the deal though let's make this salary cap thing easy for you lillard and mccullum are already slated to make 70 million between them next year okay if you add on another 20 million for powell now the blazers can do that they have the cap room and in fact they can go above the cap to resign powell but here's the thing all three of them are guards. At the end of the day, and I know yeah. the new NBA is guard-oriented. It used to be you looked for five players between 6'7 and 6'9 who could all defend. Now it almost seems you want five players who are 6'3 who can all shoot. I get it. But no matter how much that changes, there's still only so many guards you can play. And Powell's got to be looking at C.J. McCollum going, I'm not going to get my full minutes here. And the Blazers have got to be looking at Powell going 70 million for the starting guards already plus 20 million for a third guard makes 90 million, three players. The whole cap's 112 million. So that's 22 million before we hit the salary cap line, which they'll be above anyway. But that at some point that does matter. Now, you got to also figure that Yusuf Nurkic thinks he's underpaid. And he was kind of given his last contract. Now, I'm not sure what he can get on the open market on his next one. It depends how healthy he is. But if he wants even like $17 million, which is not entirely unreasonable, they're capped out with four players if they keep yeah, Powell at $20 million. Four players, salary cap. You know, at some point you're going to go over the luxury tax, but also what do you do? We haven't even named a forward yet. We haven't even named a bench player except for Powell. And you've already spent your entire salary cap. I mean, gosh, if you're the Nets and those are James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that'll probably work. If you're the Blazers and it's Lillard, McCollum, Powell and Nurkic, that's more of a problem. I don't see them re-signing him without trading somebody. I'm okay if they trade CJ. I think Powell's a better fit, frankly. Uh, he's not as good of an offensive creator as CJ. He's not as good of an offensive player. Guy, who is? I mean, CJ is elite offensively. But I think yeah. Powell is might be a better fit. But if they're going to keep Powell, that's what they need to do. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it anymore. If they're not planning on, on trading CJ, they cannot keep Powell. So basically, long story short, what they did here is they got a... They got a better version of what they were already doing, which is losing a guard at the end of the season, but a much better run at it, I think, for the rest of the year and much better potential in the playoffs. It's just that there's there's not a long term future there without a trade. We've got two available roster spots. You can have up to 15. We've got 13. Buyout market is happening right now. Now, granted... There's not a lot of options. 
there's not a lot of people who are available for those spots. So if the Blazers decide to make some kind of move, which I'm assuming that they will, because 13 players, when you've got two available spots, you really should fill them. So I'm assuming that something's going to happen. They'll fill at least to the 14th. I don't see any way that they can get away with, with not. Right. I don't see them doing it with anybody super significant or anybody that's going to make a massive difference. I think at this point, it's just going to kind of be support. Yeah, the dream players have kind of gone unless Kyle Lowry gets bought out, which I don't see happening. And by the way, it ain't going to come to Portland because why? <laughs> the only thing the only thing you need less than a third starting guard is a fourth starting guard. So <laughs> right, I right. mean, literally, though, you could run out your four guard lineup. That would be hilarious. Take I that, mean, Lakers. Who are you going to guard? Who are you going to get at the three-point arc? We've said that the Blazers' best defense is Scoring 200 and hoping it's enough. Yeah, Lowry can defend too. But anyway, that's not going to happen. But look, Aldridge went to the Nets. Blake Griffin went to the Nets. I don't think at this point either one of them would have made a huge difference. Andre Drummond went to the Lakers, right? Yeah, I think those were the big ones. None of them came to Portland, which is not entirely surprising because either Portland would have benefited that much or there was no room for them. I'm okay with them going to the contenders. Other than the fact that it makes them stronger, which I'm not thrilled about. Yes, but I mean, look, if you're the Blazers and you're going to beat the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you can still beat the Lakers with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Andre Drummond. I mean, it's. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, if anything, Brooklyn is funny because now they've just collected everybody. It's like (laughs) Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. It's it's your team. It's too bad you're not a Brooklyn fan because now you got Blake Griffin. Now you got Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean, they have basically a 2015 dream team at this point. But too bad it's, it's 2021. But that said, <laughs> more power to them. If we see them in the finals, count yourself lucky. I don't think there's a big savior on the buyout market, but I don't think any of those players would have done it anyway. So I'm fine with a minor signing, a smart signing. This is a Neil Olshay specialty. He knows how to get smart, cheap players. Go out and get one and we'll call it good. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if you made it another forward, but hey, you know, if you think you need another big man, that's okay. I doubt you need more guards. So get someone for the front court and call it good. I just want someone who can defend. Is that too much to ask? Like, am I asking too much? Because I feel like I just want someone who can defend. Yeah, I mean, granted, but it's the combination, right? You can get someone who can defend, but it's not going to cure the Lillard, McCollum, and, and slow Nurkic kind of deal. It's sure not going to cure the Cantor thing. But I just don't understand why it's so hard to put your arms up and wave them around. Get someone who can defend. You're probably right about that. But, here, well, here's the other thing. When push comes to shove, Stotts is going to play Carmelo Anthony anyway, <laughs> no matter who, <laughs> what defender you get. And I'm not. Oh, Melo. I love Melo. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not condemning him for that because you know what? That second unit offense cannot die because the first unit offense can't defend their way out of a hole, basically. They got to score their way yeah. out of a hole. So, look. You know, the second unit needs to keep up some semblance of offense. And remember how bad it once was? And Carmelo makes it not as bad anymore. So I'm all right with that. So you get your 15th or 14th man defender. Maybe that person is in there. That's great. But it's not going to dislodge Carmelo. It's not going to dislodge Robert Covington. It's not going to dislodge Nurkic or Kander. So, and you got to play Norman Powell at small forward now. So you got Derek Jones. It's. There's not going to be a big change, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, we talked briefly about Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers is available. Oh, I I don't, I yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. There's just, 
there's not a lot of options. And I think that this is one of the things that's frustrating is like we have the roster spots, but like who do you put there? And you're right. Neil's good at, at finding pieces that will fit. So hopefully he can do something with that. Also, I'm really excited about about Norman Powell. I think he's I think he's going to be real fun to watch this season. Well, I mean, what if that 14th player is Zach Collins, though? I mean, there's some speculation he could come back before the end of the season. That's the best the Blazers can get, probably. So, I mean, let's hope Zach yeah. is back. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, that would be nice. I've, I've seen that there's some rumors about that. That would that would be great if he, he got healthy and came back. Yeah, they wouldn't even have to buy out. It's sweet. Who knows? And we wish Zach good health no matter what. So, yeah, I mean, get, get a Ford who can defend an insurance policy, basically. Or, again, a center wouldn't be horrible because what do you do? If, God forbid, Nurkic or Cantor goes down, you're still pretty thin there. I mean, you're really small. Right. Covington was the backup center there, which, again, he's done that before. But I don't think in the playoffs you want to go with Robert Covington playing at five. So if you can get a decent center who can play five minutes for you normally in 15, if uh, if you need have an emergency, I'm, I'm all for that. You know, something's going to be done. Something has to be done. They're not, like you said, they're not going to keep it to 13. So it'll be interesting to see, you know where we go from here yeah where we didn't go though you mentioned before aaron gordon it hurts it hurts hurts that aaron gordon went to the nuggets it feels like the nuggets made the big move to really get their defense amped up and the blazers weren't in the running for that and that you sort of go why why i mean there are reasons why but the blazers not only should be making that move that should be the move that pushes them over the top i don't think either of those things were necessarily true which might be why they didn't make it It just hurts to watch him suit up for literally denver the team you are neck and neck with your closest analogs in the entire conference other than maybe the suns and and there he is and it's like no i'll tell you what's killing me moses brown yeah i'm dying a little i wish we still had him and and you know i'm glad that he he's in oklahoma city you know he's getting paid he's he's kind of Okay, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but did you see the contract that he signed for? Oh, it's oh, it's a it, it's a killer deal for Oklahoma. Yeah, but I'm just I'm yeah yeah. It's it, t- a tiny, tiny contract. I think it's yeah. four years. I think there are team options and yep. there's like non-guaranteed this. I mean, they yep. literally paid him as little as possible to lock him up for four years. And you and Steve DeWald need to talk about this. You need to call up Steve and say, let's do an article about Moses Brown. and <laughs> Let's do a Moses Brown. Oh, my God. Article. He's been playing well there. Yeah. Too. He has. And this is my my basketball fan maturity. I'm glad to see him. I got to see when I was shooting for the G League, I got to to shoot him playing and, you know, be on the court and up close and personal and see him. He can play and he's always been able to play, but he's getting that opportunity now. And I think there's a lot of talent in that G League. I always get really excited when I see guys get pulled up from there and get full blown NBA contracts and get to sign with a team and play with a team. That's really exciting for me. And especially Moses Brown, who, you know, came from the Blazers. I'm really happy to see that happening for him. It would have been nice to have him on our team, but you know. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll whisper something into the microphone. Neil Olshay, A or A plus at evaluating and sorting through guards. 
maybe yeah. C, C minus when it comes to the front court. And I know Yusuf Nurkic, but I maintain to this day that the Blazers were surprised by how well yeah. Nurkic bloomed. And, you know, Ennis Cantor, too, admittedly, he's the right player for the right thing. But, you know, the forward, the forward selections, the forwards the Blazers have retained versus the ones they've given away or let go. Not quite as crystal clear there in terms of our, our sterling record. And, I, you know, I hope Brown, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I hope Brown does prove us foolish because I hope he has a successful career and gets everything that's coming to him at the same time when he does that's going to be a little ouchy those are those are painful things to see and he did well um, last year it wasn't like we didn't see it he did he did <laughs> so he yeah. did he did and the blazers had the spot blazers had the roster spot they've been carrying 14 all year uh, now yeah. i know they didn't want to go luxury tax and they know they're you know but they could have adjusted it they could have had him now yeah and it's funny yeah. that oklahoma city went oh hi um let's sign you right now here just dotted line we we want you right. don't go anywhere please 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 like right. oh wow it's a tough one but i'm glad he's getting that opportunity but i wish it would have been with us Right after we made the trade with the Raptors and we played the Raptors, quite possibly one of my favorite moments of the entire season was Norman Powell lining up on the wrong side of the tip-off. Did you catch that? (laughs) Yes. That was fantastic. I think sometimes when we break this down and we start talking about this, and I think that this is true not just for us, but for fans in general, it's really easy to get caught up in you know, wins and losses and championship runs and who do we trade and who do we keep and all this stuff. But this is the kind of stuff that makes it so much fun. You know, you see their personalities, you see the things that are going on and just, you know, the irony of the fact that the first game, wasn't that the first game back that they were, that they were able to play, right? I believe so. Or did they play in the game before? Yeah. Yeah. It was the first or second game that, you know, that they play is against their previous teams just the mental gymnastics that your brain must have to do that quickly to adjust to play. I mean, have you thought about that? Like, I think about this stuff when I watch the game, like how do you not throw it accidentally to the guy that you were just teammates with, you know, a week ago that you've been teammates with the whole season. Like, it's just, I don't know. Things like that, I think are good to remember that this is a game. It's fun. You know, these guys are are human. They have real relationships with their teammates seeing you know the guys interact after the game and hug each other and it was nice it was it was nice I really enjoyed I really enjoyed actually that we played that team so quickly after that trade happened well and if you talk to people from Toronto and I've talked to a couple they love Norman Powell they love I mean okay like just like we love Gary Trent Jr. it's the same kind of thing yeah no they love him more I mean, that okay. they're going to put statues up of Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam before it's all done. They'll, uh, Kawhi Leonard obviously brought them a ring and he was way more talented. But Norman Powell was the Toronto guy or one of them. Just absolutely worked his way up from nondescript status, put in all the work. Absolutely just they describe him as a fantastic human being a fantastic person to have as a teammate in the community, just everything that you could ever dream of. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last person I've heard talk about like this. I mean, uh, people in Portland, probably top 10 in the NBA as far as people who are, cons- who are really respected 
for who yeah. they are as well as yeah. how they play. And that shouldn't be missed. I mean, and I think when he lined up on the wrong side, it wasn't just habit. It was partially that, but literally because he identified so much and so long with that arena and that team, he was kind of Mr. Raptor almost. And so that's the kind of player that you really should value. I mean, that's yep. the kind of player that you, when you look at him, you go, I really wish we could have this guy. And I'm yeah. telling you, I would not be disappointed to see the Blazers make this happen. As much as I love, and I say this every time, I do not dislike CJ. I love, I, I respect the heck out of CJ. I respect the heck out of CJ's offensive game. That He is absolutely an elite mid-range player. He's developed everything else to become an offensive powerhouse. He could be even more than he is if he hadn't been alongside Lillard the whole time. But at the same time, he's made that work and their best of friends and wonderful uh, you know, backcourt. He's done the wine business. He's doing the media business. CJ is just fantastic. He's I can't say enough good things about him. At the same time, I think that Powell uh, would be an acceptable substitute, and I'd be sad to see CJ go, but if the Blazers are ever going to do it, get this guy. This guy. I mean, I thought the Trenton and Simons could do it, and I was I would have been okay with that for the money savings, if nothing else. But if you want the max that you can get to step into that shooting guard role without trading for one and going laterally with that deal— Norman Powell is probably your guy. So the Blazers really should think about this guy and the possibilities long term, because I certainly am. I don't know what to say to that. I have such mixed feelings. I, I think that this is another guy that I'm going to really love. I think already I really am a fan. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're saying about Toronto, I've seen the same thing from fans. It's been really an interesting kind of relation, you know, over the over the last week or so, watching Blazer fans and Toronto fans kind of band together with their love for these players that, and I, and I know, like you said, you know, there may have been more there for, for Norm than for Gary, but Gary was also very well loved. And so was Rodney Hood. And so I think having, you know, kind of these two, these two fandoms that are kind of bonding over this trade of, you know, we'll take care of yours, you take care of ours kind of thing. And I think that there's something to be said about that. Like you said, I, I agree. I have confidence that Norm is going to be a good fit personality-wise, chemistry-wise, fitting in with a group that is a kind of a certain way. I think he fits right in there. I cannot have the conversation about trading CJ. I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. And I, I know that there's going to come a point where that conversation is going to need to be had. I know it might even be this year. I just, I, I'm not ready. Maybe by the end of the season, I will be more attached to Norman. And then that'll make it even harder because either way, we're probably going to lose one of them. It sounds like, but right now I, that's, I can't, I can't do it. I just, it's so hard for me to picture this team without CJ. And I just don't really want to. What Drew Holiday was the other player I was thinking about in New Orleans. They loved him. Right. And he yeah. was that guy. So, right. I mean, again, this is a very small list, but think of this. This is scary. If the Raptors don't have Lowry back next year, they're like $30 million below the cap, maybe more. Could be up to like 40. They could just sign Powell back outright. So you have to wonder about that a little bit. 
Like if they came calling and said, hey, free agent, uh, we missed you for the last six months, but we are, you know, really, it's only three months, but we weren't going to win anyway. So uh, what we'd really like to do is have you come back long term and we'll pay you a lot of money. Norm might uh, have to think about that. And oh my gosh, what a coup that would be for the Raptors then. And I would say, honestly, that they're very serious competition for Portland. I mean, if it came down to yeah. those two teams and they were both offering money, I'm not sure which one Powell would choose. So yeah, I don't know either. There's an I argument think- for, for taking CJ or playing to keep CJ because he's under contract, right? So maybe it's safer for the Blazers to just think about that. I'm just saying if they do have any designs or possibilities of changing the backcourt, Powell would be a guy to do it with. Yeah, I do agree with that. If that's in the plan, yeah, I, I can see that. I just don't know if I'm ready to talk about that being in the plan. Yet. Well, nothing <laughs> would be worse. Don't make me do it, Dave. Don't make me do it. <laughs> wouldn't be worse than trading CJ and then having Powell jilt you for his old team. That would be Lamarcus Aldridge land all over again. So I, I, I think you're going to get your wish. Frankly, we shall see. I mean, it'll be interesting. The second half of the season will keep having games packed together. Doesn't it feel like an eternity? The Blazers got two days rest. They're resting between Sunday and Wednesday. So game on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off, Wednesday. Yeah, it feels like an eternity. So that tells you how this is going. But the season is quickly winding to an end. I think there's some like 50 days or something like that till the end of the regular season, maybe 60. So, I mean, hey, it's coming fast and we'll keep right there with you. And let's see, most interesting thing, priority list first stay out of seventh and eighth second of all get healthy and play better (laughs) and third let's see how high you can climb get a decent seed but really again anything one through six is going to be good especially if those arenas aren't full with people again in the spring which i don't think they will be road home might not make a huge huge difference get in the top six and let the chips fall where they may Agreed. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting end to yeah. this season. Well, I mean, think about it, actually not to extend this, but think about it. Anywhere in the top six, unless you're one and two, you're going to end up playing the same teams you would have if you're three and four and five and six. It's literally right. the same mix. It's just which order they fall in. It's not like you're right. going to get a better matchup if you get to two, maybe. But I'm not sure the Blazers can get to two. Right. So it's it's a weird year that way. It's a really good year to be a mid-bracket team. So take that and run with it. I think we are ready to close shop for Dia Miller. I'm Dave Deckard. We will hope to see you again next week when we talk about three more wins. And Dia can call school lunch pizza great. And I can say, I would prefer some, you know, gourmet, obvious shoals, whatever. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how you feel and we'll talk to you then. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here and out of you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>